Sanctuary Church kids, so if you want to quietly make your way to the back, uh, everyone else, grab your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter four. Uh, so I'm excited. So uh, if you've been a part of Asbury Church uh, through the seasons, whenever we get to fall, uh, following our Back to Church Sunday, we begin a... So just a heads up, I am so grateful. We got people who are working and training in order to help serve us. And uh, so can we give it up for Griffin this morning? He's doing an awesome job upstairs. Good job, buddy. Proud of you. And uh, we have different ones serving around the church, and uh, we're, we're grateful for everyone's help. Um, so, so we begin a 50-day series, and our series this, uh, this year is entitled Better Than Good. And what we're going to do over the next eight Sundays is we are going to focus on the theme of the gospel. And I have a theme verse that I want us, where we're going to kind of work through this verse uh, again and again every week. We're going to recite it together. It's found in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. So I think we have that as a slide we're going to throw, uh, put up on the screens. And, and this, is, this is something that I want us to read together. I believe this, this has so many important ideas for us uh, as we move into our series. So would you help me by reading this this morning? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Just leave that up there for a moment. I love this because it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel simply that Paul is referring to here is the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for every, purpose, for every person and every uh, problem. Now, now th this, is, this is so great because it talks about not only is he not ashamed of the gospel, but he recognizes it, it is the power of God for salvation. That it has power, it has the ability to change hearts and lives. And so over the next uh, eight Sundays, we're going to be focusing on the gospel. Now, as we think about this word gospel, gospel is, is a word, you know, sometimes we associate with music, a certain style of music, gospel music, or, or maybe we'll, we'll, we'll refer to gospel as the truth of something. We can talk about, you know, the gospel of, you know, uh, different things, right? Um, it's interesting as you look at kind of like the, the background behind the word gospel. The, the word that is translated in the Bible, even in this verse, um, gospel, is literally good news. That, that's what it translates as, good news or good message. And, and when you read it through the Bible, you'll find out sometimes it shows up as a noun and sometimes it shows up as a verb. And I think it's such a powerful word and, and, and we use it many times and I don't know that if we always kind of understand the resonance that's behind it. Now, Paul, who is writing, is, is influenced by two worlds. He, he's grown up and, and he's been trained in the area of Judaism where, where he's reflecting on the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament promises. And, and so the word of good news, this gospel idea, actually percolates out of the Old Testament. But not only that, he's, he's also a part of the Roman culture. He's a Roman citizen, and, and it's a word that they leverage in their culture as well. It is, it is a word that is used, not, not just in the Bible, but even in Roman culture, to, to signify news of victory. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Um, the, the, the picture that this word is evoking 
is at different points of the years, the armies would go out. Sometimes they would be going out in response to, to armies that were coming against them. Sometimes it was just going out for conquest. And, and so what would happen is there'd be great fanfare where, where, where young men would be raised up and, and, and men would go out and they would just march out of the city in order to defend it or to gain ground for the kingdom. And as they were sent out, there was this expectation or this, this anticipation of what's going to happen. Now, in our days, if we want to know what's going on in the world, we kind of open our phone, flip it open. You know, we start doing all our little searches, and we can find out real quickly what's going on in our world. But in Paul's time, it was, you would wait, like events would take place, and sometimes word wouldn't get back to you for, for sometimes days, weeks, and even months. And so you could just imagine, especially if you were a mother or a father and, and you've sent out, you know, you've sent out your children, you know, you got a son that's out fighting or, or, or you're a wife and you've watched your husband march away. And now you're wondering, okay, what's the report? Is anything going to happen? You know, what, what, what's happened? I, I want to hear the news. I want to hear what, what's going on. And so news would come back through messengers. And when the message came back, good that there was a news of victory, the message would be called the gospel. It would be called the good news. This is the good news, that there's been victory, there's been triumph, there's been, there's been in a sense, and, and what you'll often find with the word gospel is it will get connected to the word salvation. That there is salvation, that there is liberation from em, uh, enemies or deliverance from powers. Now, now, again, that this rises up not only just in a Roman culture, but also in the New Testament, where in the New Testament, it's this declaration of liberation from enemies and, and, and deliverance from powers. And one of the things that it does is it brings peace. And the peace is more than just an absence of strife. It's about a restoration of wholeness and salvation. I think this is an important word for us to understand. Because as we think about the gospel, I want you to understand that, that as we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it really is news of victory. It's news, it, it, is, it is not just good news, it's, it's something that's actually better than good. And so over the next number of weeks, we're really going to think about the gospel and why it is actually not just good news, but it is, it is better than good news. And so as we begin this morning, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 4, and the big idea we're going to think around is simply this, that the coming of Jesus invites each of us to experience the good news of Jesus' victory. And so as we come to uh, Luke chapter 4, Luke is writing his story as an outsider. He, he's, he's, he's actually Greek, so he hasn't grown up in, in the Jewish faith um, like, like, you know, like Paul did, um, but he discovered... The message of the gospel is something that changes lives. And it was a message that was so triumphant that, that for him, he's just like, he wants to herald it and declare, let everybody know that victory has been won. It was announced not just, you know, with Jesus um, preaching, which we'll see in a moment, but even with his birth, the angels announce do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is the Messiah, He is the Lord. 
And as you read this story, we find out that, that this baby who is born ends up getting the name Jesus. And I'm not sure if you know what Jesus means, but Jesus means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. That, that, that Jesus coming is the expression of God's rescue toward us. And I love this because God continues to act through history to rescue, redeem, and restore His people to a place that's better than just good. Now, as we come to our text in Romans, uh, sorry, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is beginning His public ministry. And having triumphed in the desert over the temptations of the devil, He now announces the purpose of His coming. And so this is what it says in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went into Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now, before I read that, the, the last verse, we have to kind of take a moment to think into the setting of what's going on. So, Again, Jesus is in the midst of a synagogue, and so it would be a time where people would come together to reflect on God's word. And so they would have scrolls, and in the synagogue there was a place where the scrolls would be set, and, and, and so they would be pulled out and, and, and unrolled. And the person, uh, a rabbi, would read from the scroll before the people. And so he would stand up for the reading of God's word. And so he'd unroll it, and he'd stand and read it. And then what would happen is after the reading, the scroll would be rolled up, it would be put back in its place, and then the rabbi would go and he would sit down to begin to explain to everybody what the text or the passage was about. So it's kind of similar to what we do here, though it, it looks a little different in the sense that in a church, you know, when, when you come in and a pastor will stand up or, or a teacher and they'll, they'll read God's word and then they'll keep standing and then share with you kind of what's going on in the word. But in Jesus' time, the teacher would take a position of sitting. And so you'll see this throughout. So like when Jesus goes up uh, for the Sermon on the Mount, he sits down to teach his followers. And it's the position of a rabbi. And it's so great because what, what Jesus does in this, in this setting, you kind of feel the anticipation. He stands up, he reads the scroll. Then he rolls it up. And he puts it away, and then he sits down. And everybody's like, okay, so what's he going to say next? How's he going to begin to explain what, what's going on in this passage? You see, he's reading from the, from the scroll of Isaiah, and Isaiah 
is, 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 a magnificent, is a magnificent document. If you've ever read Isaiah, there's 66 chapters to it. As you begin it, it's, it's kind of a, it begins kind of, um, I'll say it this way, it seems a little dreary and heavy at the beginning. Because what's happened at the beginning of Isaiah, God's people who are now in the land are, are, are beginning to say, you know what, we can figure out how to do life by ourselves best. Like, we, we, we don't need the law. We, we, we can do things on our own. And not only did they think they could do them things on their own, they began to see the, the gods of the nations around them and thought, hey, we can worship them too. And so there's this, all this stuff that's coming in, and God says, listen, because your hearts are in this place, judgment is coming, and you will be removed from this land. And so in the first little bit of Isaiah, there, there's, this, there's this tension because God's people are acting in rebellion against God, and God is saying, listen, judgment is going to come upon you. And sure enough, in Israel's history, now it's in, in Judah's history, eventually Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in, and he is going to devastate the place. And not only is he going to destroy the city, he's going to tear down the temple, and he's going to take God's people certain segment of God's people, and he's going to carry them off into captivity in Babylon. And so you've got to understand that, that, that when, 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 when Jesus begins to talk from Isaiah, there's all this emotion that's kind of underneath the text. Because the second half of Isaiah is this declaration that God says, even though you may be in exile, I'm not done with you yet. How many are grateful that God's not done with his people yet? Even when his people aren't always like doing what they ought to do, God says, I'm not done with them yet. And so what happens in Isaiah chapter 40 is there's a whole change of tone. And Isaiah 40 begins with a message of comfort to God's people. And God begins to say, listen, I'm going to begin to change everything for you. You're in a place of oppression. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to send my servant who's going to go before, and, and, and he's not going to be a servant like you anticipate or you expect, but, but I'm going to bring my servant, and my servant is going to secure victory for you. And you go through the whole thing, and it even gets to the end where, where, where for us, we look at the, the passages from Revelation about the new heaven and the new earth and how God makes everything right again, and those are actually echoes from the end of Isaiah where the message of Isaiah is, listen, even though you've sinned, God is going to act and he's going to make everything right again. And so you just got to imagine the people as Isaiah, as, as Jesus unrolls the scroll, reads Isaiah and says, okay, guys, let me tell you what's going to happen next. You see, God's people at this time, they're, they're under the, the, the oppression, so to speak, of Rome. They don't have the liberties that they wish they had to serve God. There, was, there were all these tensions going on, and they're like, okay, so, so what's going to happen next? How is Jesus going to begin to explain this passage to God's people? And so this is how he began his explanation of Isaiah, the passage that he read from Isaiah, and he says this. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Could you imagine that? 
that this hope that, that, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus says, now I want you to understand today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. You don't have to wait any longer. The good news is now. The good news is with me. I love this passage because it is a reminder for us what the gospel is. The message of victory, the message of triumph, the message that, that it truly changes all of our lives. I want to note quickly three things about the gospel. The first is this, is that the gospel marks the beginning of a new day. Not tomorrow, but today. Today. The beginning of a new day. What Jesus is saying is, guys, listen, I want you to understand that salvation has come to you today. Salvation. Now, when we think about this idea of salvation, especially in the church, we've grown up, especially if you've grown up in the church, we often limit the concept of salvation to saving us from our sins, right? And now, that is a marvelous, wonderful thing. How many are grateful that God is in the business of saving us from our sins? He rescues us from our stupidity. I, I don't know about you, if you have those stupid moments, I got them. I don't know if you got rebellious moments, I got them. I'm the, I'm the one that can open my mouth and make any situation worse. I'm the one that can self-destruct my own life. And I'm so grateful for a God who saves us from our sins. But he doesn't just save us from our sins. It's not just salvation is not about rescue. Many people get to the place where they're like going, you know what? I have received the gospel. My sins are forgiven. I've got it. That's all I need. But you have to understand salvation is far more than just rescue. I want you to understand that the message of the gospel isn't just rescue. It's also redemption. It's about the idea of God bringing good out of the junk of our lives. Do you want to know what can come out of this? And God says, just wait, I'm not done. He's the God who has the power to bring good, even out of difficult things. I want you to know that our salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only rescues us from our sins, but it reminds us that the story's not done, and when it finally does get done, it's just going to be good. It's going to be good. He's going to bring good. You might be struggling in a marriage. You might be struggling as parents, and you may be saying, you know what? There's nothing good in this. Give God an opportunity to work. Allow the gospel to work, because God will bring good out of anything. Salvation just isn't about rescue and redemption. It's also about restoration. It's about making new again. You see, I remember hearing a professor say, and I like this, God doesn't make junk, and he doesn't junk what he makes. He doesn't give up on us because we are broken. How many know that humanity has some broken elements to it? 
broken hearts, broken bodies, broken minds, broken dreams, broken relationships. And God says, listen, not only will I bring good out, but I will begin to restore that which is broken in your life. See, see, as a church, one of the things we believe in is we believe in a God who heals. What is healing? Healing is the idea that God steps into our moments and begins a process of restoration. And sometimes that restoration can, can happen in a moment. Sometimes it happens through time. But the good news is this, is that the gospel, as it impacts our lives, not only rescues us, not only redeems us, but it begins to restore us. This is why Paul will write, in Christ, we are new creations. We are new creations. That, that God is, is making us new again. There, there's, we're born again. We talk about a regenerated experience. We're born again. We are made alive again. But not only that, but he is, He's restoring our lives. He's restoring our joy. He's restoring our hope. He's restoring our strength. He's restoring our peace. And our great hope is even at the end of it all, He'll restore everything. You see, salvation isn't just about rescue. It's also about redemption and restoration. And that is the reason the gospel comes to us, to rescue, to redeem, and restore. And the coming of Jesus brings a new day for each one of us that, that you know what, today the gospel can begin to change stuff in our lives. You see, because this is my second point, the gospel empowers transformation. You see, it's the gospel that has the power to change lives. Now, now what, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's reading from Isaiah chapter 61, Luke's recording it, and, and often when you're studying the Bible, you'll find out, especially in the New Testament, it will quote ideas from the Old Testament. And to kind of get the, 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 the understanding of all that's going on, What's good to do is actually to go back and see the context of what's going on. Because uh, writing and all that fun stuff was at a premium. They, they're not like us where we can like text whenever we want. Like, and so what they would do is they would give a short context and you'd look back to catch the bigger meaning. Just so you know, Isaiah 61 is a phenomenal chapter. And it's a chapter about not only God's grace, but also his transformation. You see, if you read just after this passage in Isaiah chapter 61, it will go on to say this, that, that he will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he'll do this to comfort those who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness." a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. I love this because the gospel has the power to transform. If you give Him ashes, He'll bring beauty. If you're experiencing mourning, He'll bring joy. Where there is despair... He'll begin to replace it with garments of praise. 
Like what the gospel does is it begins to change us. Do you have places in your life where you just feel like, man, this thing is totally burnt over. All that I'm left with is ashes. And God says, watch what I can do with ashes. Watch what I can do with ashes. I can make something beautiful. He says, you may be in a place of mourning where you're wrestling with loss that you've experienced. And he says, you know what? And, and, and I know sometimes you can be in a place of mourning and you feel like, will I ever have joy again? And God says, listen, I'll transform your mourning and I'll bring you joy. I'll bring joy to your life. It's interesting that, that as uh, David in Psalm 51, he prays, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Many times in our lives, because of our sin, because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, we lose the joy of our salvation. And God says, listen, not only will I take your ashes and give you something beautiful, I'll take your mourning and I will give you joy. And then he says, and if you have a spirit of despair... I'll give, you, I'll give you garments of praise. Now, it's interesting, as we look at our culture, how aware we are of darkness, despair, um, heaviness. It's amazing how, how depression, um, uh, anxiety, how, how the things of this world just... When they get in the aspects of being, they just wear people out and wear people down. And God says, listen, you weren't meant to be worn down. You, 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 weren't, you weren't meant, like, you, like God's intent for your life is not to be so overwhelmed that you can't function. He says, listen, I want to give you garments of praise. I want to do a work in your life that, that, that begins to change you, that instead of bearing under the weight of everything that's upon you, that you will have a freedom and a joy to be able just to declare God's goodness. You see, what the gospel does is it marks the beginning of a new day, it empowers transformation, and lastly, it awakens joy. You know, one of the questions is simply this. How do you know the gospel has taken root in a person's life? How do you know the gospel has taken root in a person's life? And the answer is, is it changes their disposition and their outlook. Okay, I, I want you to hear this. Um, Jesus says, I will bring good news to the poor, freedom for the captive, recovery of sight for the blind, setting oppressed people free, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Think with me for a moment. Just think with me for a moment. Um, if you were in the place where you couldn't see, you were blind, and all of a sudden you could see, how would you feel? If you were in a place of prison where you were bound and, and, and you lack that freedom, you're, you're just, you're just, you were in bondage, and all of a sudden, 
the door's been open and you have freedom to go all over, how would you feel? Um, I, I think about these things because what is it that the gospel does? It sets us free. It opens our eyes. So, so one of the things it says is it says proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And, and that's a connection to the year of Jubilee. You know what happens at the year of Jubilee in the Jewish calendar? Every debt gets canceled. And any, any family land that was sold gets restored. And so everything that was lost is returned. Now, could you just imagine... If every one of your financial debts, car payments, house payments, school loans, credit card payments, if all of a sudden someone said, you know what, I am releasing you from all of that, how many of you would just be like going, oh man, that's just, oh. How many, how many of you, you'd be just like, you'd be lit up like the 4th of July? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I owe this, I don't owe it anymore. Some of you, you'd feel like lighter. You'd be like floating. Because you've been released. We need to understand what the gospel does for us is far greater than just the elimination of financial debt. The gospel sets us free. It gives us sight. So, I don't know what you watch for like um, on, on the internet that like makes you cry or makes you teary-eyed, misty-eyed. Okay, one of them for me is this. I'll tell you what mine are. You don't have to send them to me. I'm just telling you. And it has nothing to do with kittens or puppies. Those are those, the people who get teary-eyed, misty-eyed over kittens and puppies. We'll pray for you. But have you seen the, have you seen the little the videos where families will get gifts, usually for a father? And it's a pair of glasses. And, and what it's about is that the father happens to be colorblind. And so he doesn't see the world in all its color because the way his eyes work, there are certain things that get strained out and, and stuff like that. And so they'll make these special glasses specifically for different colorblind things. And then they'll give it to their dad as a gift. And he'll unbox them, and they'll just record them, and he'll take them out, and he'll put them on, and then take them off, and put them on. And you can watch everything change in his countenance, because all of a sudden, he's seeing the world as he has never seen it before. And often, he'll get teary-eyed, and I get teary-eyed with him. I'm like, this is so beautiful. Or the moments where with, uh, with kids who are deaf and they'll give them the co cochlear implant and all of a sudden they'll hear their mother's voice for the first time. And, and it just, it, 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 I'm like going, oh my goodness, they're beginning to experience life in a whole new way. 
And I look at the gospel, and, and, and again, I go back to what the gospel does in us is it awakens joy. How do you know your life has been touched by the gospel? You can tell it by the joy. Okay, so I, I've been, as I've been thinking about, okay, we're going to do this stuff for 50 days. We're, we're going to reflect on the gospel. I was like, okay, what's my outcome at the end of this? Like, what is the thing, like, as a pastor, I have to look at you every Sunday, just so you know. You have to look at me. I don't know who has it worse, but you know what it is. It's like, but one of the things I was like, well, you know, we, we go through this. My, my thing is not just, well, hey, let's fill up a preaching calendar for eight weeks, and then we'll talk about this, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Like, my, my prayer is, God, would you allow our understanding of the gospel to get so deep in our hearts that it begins to change the way we look? Do you know what would be a total win for me over the next eight weeks? Is that if, if we begin to understand the magnitude of the gospel, that joy begins to radiate from us in a greater and greater way. A joy that is not contingent upon the circumstances that we're in. Like, you know how it is. So uh, Maybe you don't. You're not standing up here. Dwayne knows this. When, when we come up and we get to serve you on Sundays... We can come up and go, oh, yeah, it's been a rough week for a bunch of people. And not just because, like, the hair's disheveled, and uh, it, it's usually not. But, but you can tell just by the spirit, the attitude, right? And, and, and the truth is, is, hey, you know, how many know there's a lot that happens between Sundays? <laughs> how many know some good stuff? And then there's that other stuff. Oh. And sometimes it's that stuff that all of a sudden it just, it weighs on us. And whether we realize it or not, what ends up happening is the weight of our stuff is beginning to impact, impact our countenance. It's beginning to impact our outlook. And I think when that happens, there's a part that we've missed remembering the significance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's a joy that God wants to give us that the world can never take away. That a bad Monday, a bad Tuesday, a bad Wednesday, no matter what day of the week, what bad it was, that all of a sudden you're just like, you know what, yeah, that may stink, but I still got joy. Now, i got to tell you, I'm a, this is my, my okay, my humanity. My, the most fearful thing about this whole message thing is it is going to be an ugly 50 days. He wants us to be joyful, no matter the circumstance, and then it's going to be one of those like, oh, you should have seen the circumstance I had. You know, I have tire blowouts, this happens, family stuff, you know, like it, and, and so I'm not, I'm not praying for any of that, but my prayer is, God, would you let us be a joyful people? How many know you can tell joyful people? It, it's joyful people, it's seen in their face. It's seen in their interactions. And it's not something that's contrived. It's not something that's just forced or made up. It's the fact that, you know what, that there's something deeply abiding within them that they're like, well, you know what? It's still good. It's not just good, it's better than good. And my prayer is that as we reflect on the gospel over 50 days, that our lives would reflect joy would reflect joy. So, so this is your assignment every day this week, okay? So because this is going to be work. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be work. 
Yeah, some of you look at your, and you're telling your neighbor it's going to be work because you just saw their face. You're like, oh, yeah, they're going to need joy. It's going to be work for them, right? Um, th- th- this, is, this is my challenge. Jesus says this. I want to read this again. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay, pause. Anybody here feeling a little poor? By poor, it's not necessarily financial. It's the fact that I'm lacking something. I may be lacking resources. I may be lacking. And Jesus says, listen, if you're lacking anything, I want you to know I've got some good news for you. I've got good news for you. Jesus says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. Maybe you feel a little trapped in something, kind of stuck. We get stuck in a lot of things. He says, listen, I want you to know, I'm here to proclaim freedom for the captive. Recovery of sight for the blind. Maybe there's areas in your life you're like going, I just can't see what to do next. I don't even understand where I'm at or where I'm going. Jesus says, listen, I've come to give recovery of sight to the blind. He's come to set the oppressed free. Maybe you're dealing with that spirit of heaviness that that just kind of like carries with you. And he says, you know what, I've come to set you free. And not only that, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to cancel every debt. And I think that if we begin to understand what it is that he's done for us, and we begin to say, you know what, he's done that for my life, all of a sudden it begins to change the way we look, the way we see, the way we live. And again, Jesus says, this isn't just some future thing. He says, today, today this scripture, it's fulfilled in your hearing. See, what the gospel is, is it's the message of God's triumph. It's the message of God's triumph for us today. We've got a lot of future hope as followers of Jesus. We're excited about that. But it ain't all in the future, folks. The gospel is for us today. And we need his message of victory. I want to invite the worship team to come up because we're going to close. Um, we, we sang a few moments ago. We don't have to do this song. I'm just saying what we sang a few moments ago. Just Pastor Dwayne's like panicking. Oh, no, is he changing the song? I'm not changing the song. Well, we sang, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And we speak it over everything. What we're doing in that is we're actually declaring the gospel over all of these things. We're declaring the gospel that, you know what? God's not done. Today is the day of salvation in this area. He's he's working to, to rescue, to redeem, and to restore. It's not just a future hope. It's our present reality. That he is working salvation in all of our stuff. That the gospel is good news. And we need to allow the gospel to begin a new day in our life. 
So again, this is what your homework is, just if I'm not clear. Every day, take time to reflect on the gospel until a seed of joy gets planted in your heart. Just, I want you to think about the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. Maybe for you, it's an opportunity for you just to reflect again and again and again on the passage that we read this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Maybe it's an opportunity to reflect on Isaiah chapter 61 where you begin to see that God says, listen, not only have I come to change you, I've come to make you like oaks of righteousness. That you'll be able to stand and you'll be able to flourish. There'll be a strength to you. And for us to think about the gospel, the message of Jesus, why he came, that we're loved. We're not forgotten. We're not abandoned. And to allow that gospel to begin to change us today and to take that seed of hope and allow that hope to begin to grow in our hearts so that it might begin to affect our faces, affect our feet, to affect affect the direction of our lives. You see, the coming of Jesus invites us to experience the good news of his victory. And it begins today. It begins today. The gospel of Jesus. It begins today. So this is how we're going to close. Worship team is going to lead us in a song. It's going to be great because they're amazing. But maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I got some areas in my life where I need the gospel to begin today. Maybe you're wrestling with some frictions. Maybe you're wrestling with some issues that are going on. And you're just like going, God, I need rescue. I need redemption. I need restoration. And you're saying, you know what? I just, I just, I'm going to begin to affirm in this area of my life that the gospel begins today. What I want to do is in a moment, I'm just going to invite you to come down to the front and I'm going to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? Hey, I just, I'm just going to begin today to begin to believe. Because it's as we begin to believe in this gospel that it begins to change everything in our lives. And we're going to look at this over the next few weeks, like I said. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The salvation of everyone who believes. And you might be in a place where you're like saying, you know, I need salvation. It may be for forgiveness of sin. It may be that just like it seems like the water's up to your eyeballs and you're struggling to keep your breath. And he says, listen, I want you to know that I am here for you to bring good news the poor, to bring freedom for the captive, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We need to allow the gospel to begin a new day in our lives. We need to allow the gospel to begin to empower a transformation in us, that we would allow the gospel to awaken 
joy. My prayer is that when we get through 50 days, we're not going to be the same people that we are now. But we're going to be people filled with joy because of what Jesus has done for us. Please stand with me. Father, Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. The hope of salvation. Salvation that rescues, salvation that redeems, a salvation that restores. And God, as we begin 50 days, we choose to put our hope and our faith in you. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, that today, this scripture is fulfilled. The gospel is for now. For our now. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would say, you know what, I'm going through some things and I need, I'm just going to begin to believe that the gospel is going to begin to change my stuff, my circumstance, my struggle. That's you. Would you raise your hand? See those hands. See those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Father, you know each of these hearts and each of these lives. And God, I pray your grace upon them. Awaken joy, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. As they sing, if you'd like prayer, please come on down.